without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm going to just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is your Western Conference first round preview edition, getting you all the bets that you need to make before those series tip off on Saturday. We did the Eastern Conference in our last episode. You can find that in the feed and then the old YouTubes. If you want to find that on the Action Network YouTube page, I'm joined as always by professional sleepyhead and professional better Raheem Palmer who definitely zonked out on a nap on us when we were trying to get him to record this podcast. Raheem, good morning. How are you? Life is good. I can't complain. I'm well-rested, full of energy. Let's go. He's lying his ass off. Brandon uh, Anderson is our NBA Futures analyst. Brandon, how are you this fine day? No, I am still basking in the glory of the Timberwolves. We're going to talk about the Timberwolves in a West playoff series preview. So, you know, we don't get to do that too often. Hopefully we'll do that many more years to come. Let's do it. Between your two teams, I can't believe this from where we started the year, but it definitely looks like your Timberwolves have better chances than your Chicago Bulls. So let's go ahead and start there. Uh, I'm not going to bury the lead here. I'm just going to go ahead and get this out right. Uh, I have bet the Minnesota Timberwolves to beat the Memphis Grizzlies. I have bet them. I have, I have already sunk the money in. I have bet them plus one and a half. I have bet them straight up on the series line. I have sprinkled on minus one and a half because I'm feeling saucy. Uh, you can find this price as high as I, there's a plus 275 out there. There's a plus 300 out there. There's a plus 285 out there. Uh, DraftKings has this plus 260. Bet Rivers has it plus 275. There are, I, I did grab a 300. So there is one of those out there as well. I started looking at this matchup. I was worried about this one from the get-go. I was worried about this matchup. I was like, I honestly was like, you know, if the Clippers, as long as Kawhi doesn't play, if the Clippers win that playing game, Memphis should be all right. But I was like, if it's the Wolves, I'm nervous. They did very well in the season series. This is a scheme nightmare. It just is. It's just a scheme nightmare. Um, we can talk about why I think that, but let's go ahead and get Brandon's thoughts. As a resident Wolves dude, oh, Brandon, what are your thoughts on this series? And what do you think is actionable? Yeah, so I'm going to start as a fan. As a fan, I am genuinely excited. You know, the last time the Turtles made the playoffs a few years ago, they played the Rockets in the first round, and it was like, hey, we made it. So, okay, that was fun. Uh, we get two home games, right? The revenue, okay, great. All right, see you guys next year. Like, that was about it. This is not that. This is a team that can win games. This is a team that can win the series. I am not betting the Timberwolves in this series, but I absolutely think that the Wolves are alive and can win this. Wolves have the number one offense in the NBA for – Basically, most of 2022, they are hitting a ton of threes. They're hitting a ton of free throws. They are scoring a lot of points. And I think that win the other night is going to go a long ways for this team's confidence, too. The reason the fans celebrate is different. The reason the players celebrate that way is because these guys have played with a monkey on their back for a long time. And to kind of get that off and be like, okay, whew, exhale, we made it. We're in the playoffs now. And I think this is a winnable matchup for them. I know, Matt, you're going to have some matchup things that you really like for Memphis. I think there are advantages on both sides here. But I think the Timberwolves, it was huge to get into this series, not 
play Friday night and get into the Sun series. The Sun series was Houston part two, where it's just like, all right, well, we made the playoffs. Thanks for letting us tag along, guys. It'll be a fun couple of weeks. This is a team they split the series in the season. The Wolves played them close all the way. This is a series that the Wolves absolutely can win. My best bet here is that the series goes long. I'm taking the over five and a half games. So that's just, as a Wolves fan, I'm going to stay out of betting aside on this one. I officially would pick Grizzlies in six. We'll talk more about why on that. But I think the Wolves are very much live and a team that can do some damage here. So Raheem, I think what's interesting about this is, um, look, SRS has the Memphis Grizzlies as, t- as twice as, as good. Okay, so yeah. like the SRS is, is just like the Grizzlies are just better. This is what I think is really interesting here is, do you believe that the regular season performance and SRS indicates the gap between the two is so large that a matchup problem for Memphis does not matter? Like, that's really the question here, because when you start to dig into this matchup, um, like Grizzlies fans are like, well, we're going to kill him on the offensive glass. I was like, you can kill him on the offensive glass. You still have to play drop with Steven Adams. And if you play drop with Steven Adams, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards are going to tear you apart. They're going to tear you apart in drop coverage. They're going to shoot threes off of the the dribble clean, and they're going to hit enough that then Taylor's going to have to go to Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five, and you're switching everything. And guess what? Once you do that, now the Wolves are going to bring in Nasri, Jared Vanderbilt alongside Towns, and now they've got the rebounding edge. Like, they have you there. Like, they just do. Your offensive rebounding edge is not going to be enough unless they shoot extremely poorly. And then it's like, well, the Wolves give up all these transition points. Well, okay. First off the wolves in transition haven't been uh, that bad this season. They, especially in the back half of the, of the year, they actually got better in that one and kind of slid in the half court. They're 12th in transition defense per possession this year. And more importantly, they, this was a big one for me because that again, Grizzlies fans were like, Oh, but all the turnovers, they do allow a high number of turnovers. But what was really surprising for me was that when you actually broke it down into points off of those turnovers points allowed off of turnovers uh memphis allows the least so that's good for them in this matchup versus um the timberwolves for sure but minnesota's 13th so that's not an edge either like this gets into and what like, i've talked about it all year right half court half court half court the grizzlies can't score in the half court game's gonna slow down the pace of this series kind of worries me if the wolves try and play fast you're playing into memphis's strength but if you play slow, if you grind it out with Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell, you have a better half-court unit than what Memphis has. Like, that's just objectively true. But the problem is just, like, Memphis has beaten everybody, and they have a great SRS, and they have this gaudy record, and they have all these dudes. So my, my question for you is, I know that your model heavily relies on offensive on net rating. So I would imagine you got to be leaning towards Memphis a little bit here, right? Yes, but no. And I think it's because we had these conversations all year. And you look at what Memphis does well. The two things that they do well, offensive rebounding and transition, those are things that can be neutralized within the playoffs. And we've known that for quite some time. And the fact that Minnesota has such a better half-court offense, that's that's problematic if you're Memphis to me. it's, It's like the differences between these two half-court offenses are extremely glaring. I mean, like Memphis is 22nd in half-court offense. So I think that's problematic. To me, when I look at this series, and then when I look at this series, this feels like a series where 
you have both home teams dominating because I don't expect Minnesota to go in there game one and beat Memphis. I, I don't at all. But so I'm looking at this like I kind of want to take Memphis for game one. I want to take Minnesota for their home games because the big part of Minnesota this year has been their home road splits. So I see this being a series where it's probably going to be 2-2 at some point. And then I think maybe whoever snatches it from there, but I can't I can't play Memphis at this current price, and I definitely can't take Minnesota knowing that I feel like Memphis is just going to win those home games. So, Brandon, I'm unsettled on how the series goes. My problem is, like, I feel like this thing's on a wire in terms of how close it is, and if it mm-hmm. tips, it could tip very rapidly. That's why I don't – like, you can get the over – Brandon talked about the over five and a half. That's minus 140 at Bet yeah. Rivers. That's a really good mm-hmm. price. Like that's yeah. a, that's a good price if you if you kind of if you approach it that way. I, I'm probably not going to play it that way, but I can't like I, I I totally understand why. I don't think it's a bad bet at all. Um, Brandon, one of the things that makes me nervous from from a Wolves perspective, if this series goes long, like here here's one of my concerns. I I trust the Wolves' emotional composure a lot less than Memphis's. Yeah. Memphis plays confident. Memphis is resilient. Memphis is is very tied together. Like. Towns lost his damn mind in that playoff game, like playing game. He, he yeah. lost his mind, and he does this where he gets so amped up that he gets untethered. You got Anthony Edwards who gets so jacked up that he starts throwing up bad shots. They are a young team in general. Cat's not nearly as young as we make him out to be. Like, Cat's been around now a while. D'Lo's been around a while. But this team's still very young. Um, I worry about the emotional composure in late in games, especially on the road. Like, that's definitely a concern for me. It just, I can't get past what all the matchups tell me. As an example here, the two primary schemes that the uh, the Wolves run in pick and roll situations, right? The, the, the building block of your offense, and especially Memphis. Memphis just runs, they span pick and rolls. The two primary schemes that, that Minnesota runs, they played at the level for most of the year. Then they started playing switch, and they were horrible at it for a month in February. They were horrible at switch. And it was like, why are you guys still doing this? Just go back to your base coverage. But they kept at it. And over the last two months of the season, the Wolves climbed up to a top 10 team in switch. They got a lot better. And that's one of the reasons they were able to get by the Clippers the other night is that they had the personnel and the know-how to do that. Memphis is bottom 10 in the league points per chance versus both of those coverages, both of them. If they stop the transition, Memphis is not going to be able to score with Minnesota. And that to me is like the biggest part of this cap. There's like all these intangible things that make me nervous. But when I get into the numbers, the matchup, the value on the bet, I, to me, I can't go anywhere but Minnesota. Yeah. So you guys have both capped this exactly how I'm looking at it. And it's, I'm on, I'm on both sides with both of what you're saying. And it's why I'm kind of staying away from picking a winner here because I feel like yeah, the point. So I want to agree with a lot of what you're we saying. Number one, Raheem, you talked about the home advantage here. I have that in my notes. I think I trust Minnesota to win on the road much less than I trust Memphis to go take one in, in Minnesota. Like I picked Grizzlies in six. The Grizzlies are the exact sort of team that believes in themselves that can go on the road and close the door and slam it shut on someone's season. That is who that team is. We've seen it all year. Even without John, we saw it. Minnesota is not the team that can show up and play with that level of heart and that level of commitment. It's just not who they are yet. Maybe they can be. They're still young, but they haven't yet. 
And so to go win that pivotal game five or to show up in game seven and get the win, they just haven't done it before. They can, but they haven't yet. So I think that's a big problem. The matchups that you talked about, Matt, you know, you focus a lot on the the, the half-court offense and defense and, and those sort of things. My focus is a lot often more on the four-factor sort of stuff. And so you talked about those things. Offensive rebounding is going to be a big problem. It's going to – that. The, the Grizzlies don't win the three is greater than two game. They don't shoot threes. Minnesota's going to win that game. But the math equation the Grizzlies do try to win is the possessions game. We're not going to outscore you per possession. We're just going to get 15 more than you because we're going to turn you over and we're going to get those offensive rebounds. This season, they did. They crushed the offensive glass against Minnesota. They had 14.3 offensive rebounds per game against the Timberwolves. The Wolves are not good on the glass. It's a problem. But then you think about the matchups, what you hope to do with that with Minnesota, you talked about Steven Adams and drop coverage. I think that there is very much a world where Adams kind of gets played off the court or at least yep. minimized in this in this matchup. D'Angelo Russell is going to have a huge series. Give me all the D'Angelo Russell overs. D'Angelo Russell, by the way, let me just get this one out there. He's 50 to one to lead the series in scoring. I absolutely nibbled a little bit. He averaged more than 30 points a game in four games this season against Memphis. Is he going to get all the jumpers he wants? And so is Towns because Adams is not going to get out there and, and get on those jumpers. So now you go to Jaron Jackson, who's been awesome, but the one thing that he does still is foul. So if Carl Anthony Towns can get Jaron Jackson into foul trouble and Steven Adams isn't really the answer. And now you got my guy, Brandon Clark, who I love, but is not going to hold up against Towns, Xavier Tillman. Like they, they got all these guys, but they're not the answer against Towns. If Carl Anthony Towns is the best player in the series or can play John Morant to a heat, then the Wolves win the series because that is how they solve those matchups. Because when you get Adams off, and Jackson minimized goodbye offensive rebounding advantage. Now that's not a thing anymore. Adams, uh, his rebounding prop is 11 and a half right now. Wow. The unders yeah. plus 100 at DK. I'm betting this as soon as we get off this podcast. Like I'm betting it as soon as we get off this podcast. Cause I think he's going to get played yeah. off. Like yeah. that's the question, right? Is like, does, does Jenkins keep with Adams for the first game and then makes the adjustment in game two, if they struggle, right? Like yeah. that's going to be the yeah. question. But I do think like there's value in in maybe thinking that that Adams is going to play less and Jackson's going to play more. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure about it game one because I think you're right. I'm not sure it happens immediately. It might but, be. But here's the problem. But the problem I have is once he sees the matchup and they realize that it's an issue. Like if game one does not go, Memphis handles things easily. If it becomes apparent that this value. is going to be a struggle by game two, it's all like like he. Yeah. he you know the value may be gone, so yeah, I'm, the, I, the line will be down to like seven and a half or something. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. The the other thing I had to comment on is it, the biggest thing I have in my notes on this series in all caps is discipline. And at the end of the day, the reason that I have to take the Grizzlies here to win the series and not the Timberwolves is discipline because the thing we watched the other night that was a referee disaster, right? Like we yeah. all saw it. We don't need to get into it. However. Timberwolves foul more than any team in the league that was on the referees, but that was on the Timberwolves as well. That's on Patrick Beverly. That's who he is. And it's what he does. That's on Carl Anthony towns. You talked about the turnovers versus points off turnovers. Part of why Minnesota's points off turnovers aren't as high as you think is because they get a lot of dead ball turnovers. They're getting offensive fouls or Carl Anthony towns is like holding over his head and then throwing it out of bounds 
And like he does that like a couple times a game out of the post. You're like, come on, buddy, just just stop. You can't you don't get live ball runouts off of those turnovers. They're not quite as valuable to the other team. But those sorts of plays, those discipline plays, the fouls, the foul trouble. Pat yeah. Beverly is really important to this team. Pat yeah. Beverly is going to get himself ejected one of the games in the series with Dylan Brooks and everyone out there. Come on yeah. in, in Memphis. It's coming. And he's going to miss one of those games. And you know, when is going to get in foul trouble one of these games? And he's going to be a non-factor. Yeah. Like, I think the Timberwolves lose a game or two because they're not disciplined enough. And this series is too close to give a game or two away. And that's why I don't think they can win it. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I I, I totally expect. There's going to look. If you look at personal fouls a game, Carl Anthony Towns and Jaron Jackson Jr. are set or third and fourth. So there's going to be a game where – Cats in foul trouble, and there's going to be a game in which Jared's in foul trouble. And I think that's going to come to the home road splits. And like you said, I don't like what we saw from Cat. I've seen 20 times this year. Like we saw that 20 times this year where Anthony Towns gets into foul trouble, has three fouls in the first half, and has to sit. And I'm expecting that in this series with the way that John Morant drives to the basket. So, well, 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 well. I will just mention before we move on here, uh, the Grizzlies are just, you know, uh, Brandon mentioned the four factors. Memphis is 19th in free throw attempt rate. They are, That's but but Minnesota is 29th on defense. Yeah, here's, I, I get here's it. the numbers though, because I looked at that, Matt. I was like, oh well, Memphis doesn't get to the line that much. Maybe it'll even out. Here's the free throw attempts from the season in the four games. Grizzlies had 26 free throw attempts, 35, 35, and 35. That is a lot of free throws for reference. That is an average of 32 and three-fourths of a foul per game. The rest of Memphis's games, they averaged 22.7. So that's 10 extra free throws per game they got just because they're playing Minnesota. I got I got yeah. one more. I got a response. We got to move on. But I, I got to do a response to that. <laughs> uh, free throw rate by, by uh, you know, again, this is the split between the regular season and the playoffs. Transition for Memphis, 13%. That's extremely high. Half court, just 9.9. That's extremely low league-wide. Like, this is going to be a question. If the Wolves get back and don't allow those that transition stuff, that's yeah. going to be the, the key. If, if the pace – the Wolves are going to have to change their identity, though. They can't be up and down. They're going to have to yeah. be like, no, no, no. We want to fo- force tar- turnovers and then control pace. Yeah. And I think Finch yeah. is smart enough to figure that out. What's everyone's pick in the series? Like, what's what's the official pick? Matt, are you just on just Wolves straight up? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Wolves straight up, Wolves plus one and a half, Wolves minus one and a half. Raheem, I'm on on Grizzlies in six, but I'm also on over five and a half games. I I think that's the that's the play right there. I mean, you can get Grizzlies at six at plus three sixty, which is great, but I think the over five and a half wins is the number on this. The number on this is what really bothered me because I when they put when they put this out at like Grizzlies minus three fifty, it's now minus three sixty. When they put that out, I was like, that's seventy. That that is seventy eight point two three percent. To win the series, I'm gonna get plus two and a half at a soft number. Nope, no, sir. They were like, I'm not getting like that. See, that to me is like very telling. The book is saying, like, no, 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 yeah, no, absolutely. The Grizzlies are gonna win the series. We don't want any Memphis money. And yet at the same time, they're they're looking at it and they're putting it at plus two and a half Minnesota for this to go at least six games is minus 200. So, like the long series is probably a, a really good play. I just have a real apprehension about it in case this goes sideways and the Grizzlies just absolutely bottom um, or that like Minnesota is just not good enough. 
but I totally get the, the play. And Brandon, you like the over five and a half and anything else? Yeah, I think just over five and a half. And I'm looking to play uh, D'Lo props. His points, 19.1 points per game over at DraftKings. I love that one. Joe Delaria has been on that one. And then just uh, to lead the series in threes or in scoring, I think he's got a shot at those. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that's the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with a tap of a button. It's insanely fun to write it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Make sure to use promo code BUCKETS and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper and use promo code BUCKETS when you deposit. Term and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use or details. Okay, back to the show. Let's go to... The three versus six seed with the Golden State Warriors taking on the Denver Nuggets. Steph Curry is going to play in this series. It was reported today that he's going to be available for game one. I was a little surprised this was ever in doubt. Like, the Warriors have not been subtle with this. They've signaled for for weeks that Steph was going to be okay. Like, Steph didn't play the end of the regular season because they didn't need Steph to play the regular season. Like, Kerr made it pretty obvious to me. I I thought that that Curry was going to play the whole time. And I'll tell you, the Nuggets were like, we practiced the entire time as if Steph was going to play. We never had any doubt in our mind that Steph was going to play. They they absolutely knew that Curry's going to play. However, Steph is going to be on a minutes restriction that was revealed today. 30 to 35 minutes max for Steph, which could be impactful. Like, obviously, you got a lot of depth on there. Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson can anchor those second units, which could be interesting. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Nuggets are plus 200 in the series. Warriors minus 250. Uh, I have bet Warriors minus one and a half at minus 114. I have also bet Warriors minus two and a half at plus 185. Uh, fellas, I think this is going to be a gentleman's. That's what I think. can't say it's going to be a gentleman's, but I don't think the Nuggets have enough at all. I mean, at some point, look, I mean, Jokic has had one of the best seasons ever, but at some point you got to have guys to be able to defend Steph Curry. You got to be able to have guys to defend Clay Thompson and it's just it's Jokic and a bunch of guys and I just don't think that's enough in this series so I'm personally just going to lay the 250 with the Warriors I think they should be able to get it done but I can see the Nuggets still in two games I mean they've played this Warriors team tough with and without Steph Curry this year so that's where I'm going with that's why the minus one and a half is so nice it's only minus 114 right like you're paying 114 for it to end in less than end in less than seven. That's it. That's all you gotta get. Is let it doesn't go seven. The the Nuggets don't win three games versus Golden State. Jamal Murray is not out. I don't expect to see him. It hasn't been ruled out. It's a very weird situation. I do not have an answer. Honestly, if he plays, I like the Warriors more. Like I if if they announce him in the line will probably move towards Denver. And then I will bet the Warriors in that game as well. Um, Brandon, what do you think on the series? Warriors minus one and a half is my best bet of the entire first round. It, unless it changed, it's even odds at DraftKings. You don't have to lay the minus 114. So this series to me, 
I don't think is that far off from Bucks Bulls. I, I really think that the gap is that wide. Not only is the gap in talent there with Steph presumably healthy, or at least mostly healthy being able to play, just the, the matchup. Again, the four factors, the matchup is terrible for Denver here. What do we know about the Warriors? The thing that they are terrible at is turnovers. The Nuggets are bottom five in turnovers for us. So they're not a team that's going to take advantage of that. The Warriors played four games against Nuggets this year, but of course sent nobody to one of those games. In the other three games, they averaged only 11 turnovers. That's not going to do the trick. Denver needs to get at least five more than that to have like any shot in stealing some of these games. So there goes that advantage. The, the Warriors, or sorry, the Nuggets are 28th in the NBA against 2% on defense. The Warriors are third on offense in 2%. They're getting those easy looks. They're getting those back cuts, all those that easy stuff for the basket. I don't think that the Nuggets have any chance defensively here with the way that Klay Thompson is firing now, the way that Jordan Poole is looking awesome. There are no guards. Like, who's guarding Steph in this series? And what happens when when they get anybody into like pick and roll out on the perimeter and get whoever is isolated out there, like the, the Nuggets don't have guards to, to defend here. So that's a problem. The thing that the Nuggets do especially well is their number one in effective field goal percentage. And they're great at two point percentage. That is the thing that the Warriors defense takes away. That's the thing. The Warriors best negate is taking away some of that stuff that Jokic creates on his own. I, I don't know how Denver scores. I don't think they have much of a chance defensively. If I was confident that Steph was healthy and this was a totally healthy Warriors team, I would pick the sweep, just the sweep. No gentlemen, just actually four games. I'm going to play it. It's plus 750 at MGM, but I, I Warriors minus one and a half is my favorite bet of the whole first round. I don't disagree with you based off of the talent differential. I think some of the matchup stuff is a little off and let me explain why um, you asked like, what are you going to do in these pick and rolls? The Warriors don't run pick and roll, Brandon. Like that's the whole problem that the Warriors fans are always yelling about is like, they don't do that. Um, the other thing, and this was something that was really interesting is just like this question of like, what are they going to do when Jokic gets switched on to Steph? The Nuggets are never going to switch Jokic on to Steph. Not once, never. They will not do it. Like not, okay. I will, I will say this. There may be like one extended possession where he backs it out and they will probably send a double to get the ball out of his hands. They will blitz Curry or they will or they will switch with the others. They will not do a lot of 1-5 switching. They just won't. They won't put put step, put Curry or put Jokic in that situation. Notably, by the way, it's not like any center does well in that situation. You just have to live with it. Like no no center does Bam Adebayo gets cooked there. Like everyone gets cooked there. The only guy that could probably do it is Draymond and he's on the same damn team. Um you ask like who's going to guard stuff? It's going to be Austin Rivers and I know that sounds insane. I know this sounds crazy. I'm just telling you, Austin does a really good job. And the reason is Austin's had to do this a lot. And the best thing about Austin Rivers defensively versus Steph Curry is that he's basically an NBA nihilist at this point. Like Rivers has had such a rough career the last couple of years that now he is always asked to do like the yeoman's work. Like last year it was, hey, we need you to go out there and make Dame work and he's going to light you up for 40 and you're going to be on social media every single night. I need you to do this for like 35 minutes a game. And Austin's like, okay. Like that's the best thing about rivers is he doesn't get this. He doesn't get despondent. He doesn't get disappointed. He's just like, okay, I'm going to run over through all these screens and get the kicked out of me every single night. But he actually does manage to stay with him enough to at least make him work. especially coming off the ankle. This is a bad matchup for their front court. Like if they put Draymond on him and Draymond shuts Jokic down, that's a wrap. Okay, fine. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. I, at this point, I cannot believe that anyone will. It's possible because Draymond's so good 
but Jokic has elevated his game to a point where I, I have to give Jokic the edge. I just have to. They're going to, I asked this question today at practice actually about what they're going to do with all, with all of that action that generates the stuff on the inside. They're going to have, uh, this is my read on it. This is not what Michael Malone said, but I interpreted his answer. They're going to have Andrew, they're going to have Aaron Gordon play Andrew Wiggins cheat off and he's going to place free safety underneath to help protect the rim. That's where Denver has been really bad. They're going to switch everything else except for one five, everything off ball. They're going to switch. They'll have miscommunication and give up some stuff, which is again, they're probably get the warriors are probably going to win. I will say that like the spreads in this series are what one I'm going to be looking for Denver, the money line in the series. I'm going to be looking for warriors. And that's kind of like how this goes. And maybe you're right. It could be like three close games in a blowout. Right. Like it could yeah. be a sweep with three close yeah. games and a blowout. Yeah. There's some tactical stuff here that I like. If Denver was fully healthy, if they had Jamal Murray back at like 80% and MPJ, I'll be straight with you. I'm big, I'm picking Denver. Yeah. But they do not have they do not have the horses. I agree with Raheem on that. Um, it'll be interesting. Look, the Warriors offense has honestly been middling. And we got to accept that at some point. They're like the Warriors offense has just not been impressive. Yeah. And if you can't create separation in a slow-paced game versus Denver, it can get dicey given all the situations, but I think we're all in agreement on if you're going to play anything, it's got to be golden state. One thing I'll say, one thing I'll say is that based on the way we feel about the Warriors in the series, you owe it to yourself to play a future on the Warriors. Yeah, I have. Yeah. That's what I want to talk about. For for those who have it, because look, the Warriors are 10 to one to win the NBA finals. And they're also plus three ninety, plus 400 to win the conference. So if you look at, like who they have next in the Memphis Grizzlies, even on the road, they're likely to be favorites in that series. So you're looking at a situation to where they're probably playing Phoenix. You're going to have to, I mean, you can hedge out, but we've seen how they matched up with Phoenix this year. So I think if you're going to play the Warriors in this series, make sure you add those, those Warriors futures. Yeah. I wanted to say the same thing. So I wrote, I have a whole series up at action network on the case for fill in the blank. I did five teams. I got their entire own article and then going up, uh, today, as you listen to this podcast, will be the case for everyone else. So every team in the NBA that's still playing has a case for why they can win the title. The case that I found most convincing myself was the case for the Warriors. So let me share some of the numbers I came up with. And I think even too, I want to respond a little bit to the the offense has been middling thing because the offense has been middling. The numbers tell you the offensive rating is like 18th for the season, but I don't think that the numbers really matter a whole lot for the back half of the season because the whole offense is built around Steph and Draymond and they've had three games with those two guys together. And so like, what, what do we really know about it? So here's, here's what we do know through Christmas after Christmas is when Draymond got hurt and then Steph got hurt. And then all the stuff happened up until Christmas, the Warriors were 23 and nine. They had played two games without those two. They sat for rest. At that point, the Warriors are third offensively, not 18th, third first defensively. We know how awesome they were defensively. They were miles ahead of everyone else. And remember, not only were they third offensively then, no Clay Thompson. Since Clay's been back, you throw the first 10 games out while he's getting his legs again 22, 4 and 3, 40% on threes, 88% from the line. Defensively, not the same. Two point percentage, a little bit down. Clay's back, though. Clay is back offensively. He didn't play at all that beginning stretch. And Jordan Poole was bad in that opening stretch. Efficiency wise, Jordan Poole was not good. Jordan Poole's last 20 games right now. 26, four and five on 50, 45, 91 shooting, four and a half threes a game. Those are better numbers over a 20 game stretch offensively than Clay Thompson has ever had 
those are basically like you put those numbers by Devin Booker. Those are the same numbers for this season. I'm not saying they're the same, but over the last 20 games, they're the same numbers. So you have the third best offense. Now you add Clay. Now you add this version of Jordan Poole, which by the way, Matt, you were all over Jordan Poole for most improved, six man. Uh, he seems like he might be st- still alive in some of these. He's getting some votes according to some of these things we're seeing online. Like he's showing up in those polls. I don't know. It's too late for us to bet on it. But he, you were right. He improved. He, he has improved so much. He's a star. He's part of this team. The Warriors with Steph and Draymond played at a 68-win pace this season. We know from the past that how you start the season is more indicative than how you finish the season. With Steph and Draymond on the court, they have a plus 15 net rating. In the clutch with Steph on the court and Draymond, they have a plus 46 net rating. All the numbers are there. They're awesome at home. They have the second best home record in the NBA. They're awesome in the third quarter. The thing we always knew about the Warriors, the numbers we have say these are the same Warriors they always were. If Steph is healthy, we have to bet them. Look, I think agree. We got to bet them. I just did. I just like while we were talking, I just bet them. But like, look, Steph in October shot 39% from three in this in November, he shot 42% from three. Then he hurt his hand. And since that time, the only stretch that he's been above 40% was the eight games in March, which is pretty inconsistent overall. It was a small enough sample for me not to be convinced. If Steph Curry is human, that fundamentally changes this Warriors offense. I will not put them in the level of what the Warriors we've always known, Brandon. Like, they have not earned that this season. The pieces are different. The guys are inconsistent. Pool's never been – Pool has not been in, the, in these playoffs at that level. Draymond is a different guy than he was a couple of years ago and Clay's a different guy than a couple of years ago. Like I have, I bet them in preseason to win the title. I already have these positions on them so I can say this, right? Cause it's like, I could be wrong and still, and still cover it. It's not that I think that they're going to lose. I don't, I think they're going to win this series and I think they're going to beat the Timberwolves next round. Um, but, and I think there's value on them to win the title. We just, I do not, I, there is going, I can hear it in your voice. The little Steph fanboy that everyone has inside him on NBA Twitter going, it's the Warriors, they're back. No, 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 This team is, is going to have to be a lot more grindy. They're just, they're not quite that level. That's okay. They could be good enough. I think they could beat the Suns, but I do not think that this is supernova Warriors. I don't think we're going to see that. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think we're going to see that, especially with Steph on a bad angle. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be clear, I don't think these are the supernova champion Warriors. I mean, their, their identity, who, who they are and the things that they are best at. I don't think they're as good at those things as they have been in the past. Yeah. I just think the things we know from them, who they are, are still the same strengths. So the way we've bet them, bet the Warriors at home, bet the Warriors in the third yeah. quarter. Like, mm. The same way we've bet them, keep betting them that way. I The only thing I'll add is I still prefer Warriors to win the West plus 500 rather than the title. They would have home court in the finals against anyone. So that is a thing. But there are still some of the matchups in the finals. I, I don't know how I feel. I, I mean, I do know by not knowing. I, I feel like if we like them, we all seem to like them to make the conference finals. I think we're all on Phoenix Golden State in the conference finals. And we all think that that's a dangerous matchup for Phoenix. So I, I would rather just get my five to one and not have to worry about who comes out of the East and then play by year from there. I mean, and to me, that's crazy, though, because if you think they are a good match against Phoenix, why not just put yourself in a position? Because you can always hedge or cash out. Hedging. He hates hedging. It's because like, the Warriors not- are five to one to win the West or ten to one to win the title. I don't know that I'm positive they're going to be favored in the finals. So, like, if they're playing, 
If they're playing Milwaukee, I don't think the Warriors are favored in the finals. But, I mean, you, you you still you still have cash out value. I mean, if you're playing yeah online, the cash out value is easier. And then yeah. even with like they're not going to be huge underdogs against any one of those teams with yeah. home court. They they be at most like it'd be like minus one fifty plus one twenty five. So it's like you're literally just giving if, away. If money. they make them, if they make Brandon, they put them bigger than like one thirty one forty. They would take on so much Warriors money. Like they would just. I take know, but it, so much Warriors if money. they're underdogs at all, you literally are losing money by not just betting the five to one and then just rolling it over. Like ten to one is exactly double five to one. So if they're any sort of underdog, then you are better off playing it and rolling it over. Or you can take both. Or or you could do what I did and parlay them with both the Celtics and the Bucks to make the finals. (laughs) Love those matchups. Love those matchup bets. All right, last one. This one's a mess. This one's a mess. I wrote the I I wrote the guide for it. It'll be up in Action Network on ActionNetwork.com and the Action Network app when you listen to this podcast. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks taking on the Utah Jazz. Luka Doncic, Shams Charania reported today that Luka Doncic is not going to play in game one. During the playing tournament on Wednesday night, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that there is skepticism that Luka will be available for the first two games in Dallas. I have heard from various league folks that operate in such circles that that might be a little aggressive and that they wouldn't rule out Luka game two yet. Um the series price has ballooned. I want to talk about game one very specifically with Raheem in a second, but before we get there, just real quickly on the price, uh, as we look at it, um, at bet MGM, as I'm trying to find the price, uh, well, I'll just look at, uh, bet rivers, the jazz are favored now pretty heavily. Uh, it's moved a lot. It's minus two seventy five. Now at Bet Rivers for Jazz Mavericks plus two fifteen. Brandon, do you have the best price up? Uh, I do not, but that's about where I've seen too. I was seeing like minus two ninety earlier. Um, DK has it. Jazz minus three hundred. Mavs plus two thirty. So one, I expect Luka Doncic to play at some point in the series. It's a calf strain. It's a pain. Like yes, there's a. It's it's gonna. It's tough to for it to get healthy. I get it. I expect he's going to play at some point this series. I'm not betting it pre-series. I'm not. I am waiting until after game one, and I want to see how it goes, but in every reasonable outcome of game one, Jazz blowout, Mavericks close win, Mavericks blowout, uh, Jazz close, like all any scenario I can see that does not involve a further injury, I am going to bet the Mavericks at that point. If the Mavericks lose game one in Dallas, their drop will go, their price will lengthen even more. And we're going to get great ROI relative to what the series looks like if Luka plays. I'm hoping for a Jazz win so I can bet Dallas. If the Mavericks win, my the price is definitely going to shorten, but then the certainty of this goes up. If they win the first game without Luka, I feel a lot better about their chances of winning three of the next six with Luca back at some point. So I am not betting this before the series, Brandon. I'm going to wait and bet it after game one, and I'm going to bet Mavericks. Yeah, I'm with you. And just to be clear, too, I, unless something new has come up in the last couple of hours, there are not very many things we can even bet on on this series. Like all the things we're talking about of over, under five and a half games or, you know, a team by minus one and a half in the series, I haven't seen that. Like we don't even have those lines yet because of the uncertainty here. So, there are not many options. Basically, your option right now is bet the Mavericks. That's it. That's your only option because there's no point betting the Jazz at this inflated line right now. 
And I think you're right. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to bet Dallas right now because you're going to get a chance to get a better price or even if it's not a better price, that extra amount of knowledge that you waited for to assure you that you were getting a better a number is good. I, I do think that Dallas can, you know, there's there's that effect that you've talked about a lot, Matt, where if the team star is out, you get that kind of letdown effect on the other team. And boy, do the Jazz like to live up to the letdown effect. <laughs> so I'm not necessarily just going to be like, oh, Luca's out for game one. So take the Jazz. They're going to roll and win by 20. Like, uh, the Jazz have not been great as big favorites. So the angle that I'm looking at a little bit, and I don't play a lot of totals. So I'm curious, Raheem, what your numbers would say on this. So I noticed Mavericks unders this season were the best in the entire NBA, 51 and and 31 for unders the jazz were top five best for unders and i know the dallas unders thing trended down toward the end of the season after the Porzingis trade but dallas's defense i i was i was impressed looking into the numbers more i was expecting that it was just gonna be like oh yeah dallas's defense kind of smoke and mirrors sort of thing the metrics are pretty legit. Like I think the defense actually, I don't know why I don't understand it. I don't get it, but the metrics are pretty solid for them. The jazz have the number one offense, but I feel like playing unders here, especially if Luca is out and the, and the Mavs best play seems to just kind of like grind it out and slow it down and muck it up. So I'm curious, Raheem, where do your numbers see like a typical game for this series? Okay. So my post all-star break numbers actually put this at 213. My full season numbers actually put this at around 211. I do think at this point you are kind of late to the party in the sense that this number opened at 215 and a half. There were actually some 217s in the market earlier on when we didn't know if, you know, if Luca was going to play or not. So we're down to 209, 210. So I think you're a little bit late to the party. So I don't know if I'll be playing at this current number, but I do agree with your premise overall. I mean, when you look at this, these teams, the Mavericks are they're scoring 115 points per one of the possessions with Luca on the floor and 111 with him off. So I do expect this team to have to kind of grind it out a little bit more defensively. But I mean, they still have Spencer Dinwiddie who can light it up. So with this number moving five, six points, I just think you can't really play it right now. I am going the other way. Uh, I'm going overs. Here's why. Let's start here. Uh, all four matchups this season between Dallas and Utah, four and zero to the over. All four. This number is pitifully low. Um, look at it this way. Dallas, the one thing that you can kind of look at, because I was trying to figure this out all day today. You mentioned like the Dallas defense is kind of perplexing. I was like, they have a really bad protection around the rim, but they're good in all these other areas. Like, how do they, like, how are they stopping? Here's what it is. They play really aggressively with you. Handsy, high effort, go get them defense out on the perimeter. And they have to because they do not have that rim protector, especially with Porzingis gone. They don't have it. If you watch, go back and watch the Mavericks in not only this season series, but just overall, they're all extended to the perimeter. And it's basically all point of attack. If you beat that, there's nothing on the backside, nothing. So they give it. If you get to the rim, they have a bottom five field goal percentage allowed on drives that end up at the rim. If you get to the rim, you make it, but they work really hard to deter you from doing that. However, Donovan Mitchell, I think, is a really good counter to that. So they're going to keep attacking that. 
they're going to force them to break that and help down. And then you're going to have the open threes. Here's the other thing in this game. The idea is like, Oh, Luca's not there. So the offense is going to suffer. Do you know what the Mavs are going to do without Luca? They're going to shoot a ton of threes because they can't attack the rim. They have the lowest rim rate in the league. They're just going to pass the ball around the perimeter and throw up threes. Now it's entirely possible. They shoot like 20% and this goes under, but I'm betting that they're going to hit enough, even in a low possession game to go over this total of two Oh nine after it's been hammered all the way down. So I'm going the other way. I'm going to bet the over. And I want to talk to you about the spread, though. Yeah. This thing opened at Dallas minus three. It's Jazz plus five. We have an eight-point move. I wrote the game guide for game one, and my instinct was like, "Oh, I got to bet. I got to bet Utah. I got like I got to bet Utah here. Like they're just not. They're not going to have enough. Like the the Mavericks are just not going to have enough to beat this team." you know even at home even with as much as doubt as utah collapses like this is just like luca's too big of a deal and then i looked at that line movement and i was listening to um the dream preview with Mackenzie rivers and rj bell and they were talking about this line move and that like really got me thinking luca Doncic. look i have this mavericks minus one that's what i've got this the spread at fully healthy full season numbers mavs minus one even at that number I can't justify a six point move. So either you think that the line maker was initially right at minus three and it's an eight point move for Luca. Or if you like, if you have your own number, you can look at what's your number on, on the game for, for post all-star. Have it Mavericks minus one. Okay. So Mavs minus one to jazz plus jazz minus five. We cannot put Luca Doncic at a six point value to the spread. I know you talked to whale capper Drew Denzik. What did he tell you? So when I spoke to Drew Denzik, he told me that he has Luca as four and a half points in this matchup and three and a half points versus the average team. So, so like, if you're going to bet it, you have to bet Dallas. Yeah. So basically you're getting like one, two points of value. Now I'm not going to, <laughs> I want to yeah. be very clear on this. I'm not, I'm not. And the reason I'm not going to is because it's within two possessions, right? Yeah. If this was five to, t- if this was five to 11, I'm definitely betting Dallas, right? Same six points of value. What I don't want though is like, oh, you were right. They held on until the end. The Mavericks missed a a three. Then they decided to foul two free throws and it's six. Like, or or whatever, right? Like that's where I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose this game on free throws. So I'm not going to bet it, but I am saying that there is not value on Utah. That At least for game one, I do not think there's value on Utah. As of right now, because I think, I mean, it is still early. I mean, we're still two days away from, I mean, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday. If this gets to six, six and a half or seven, are you in? I'm going to have to cross that bridge when I get there, brother. Like I, I can't, I can't. Because I, I, I do like, I do foresee a scenario. I mean, right now, as we look at the best splits, we have 51% of the money on Utah. I mean, we have 51% of the bets on Utah, but we have 86% of the money on the Utah Jazz. At some point, Maybe these books, I mean, unless they're really just trying to take a position, they may have to bump this this number up a little bit. If it's so. seven, I'll take an alternate line on a parlay. That's the that is as far as I will go. Okay. Um, Brandon, uh, much as I did with Clint Capella versus the Hornets switching defense, I'm gonna take, I think I'm gonna be looking for Gobert over rebounds in this matchup on Saturday. Um, they're gonna switch everything. They're undersized anyway. It's Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba versus Rudy Gobert. If I can find white side props, I am scouring. I am trying everywhere to find white side props. I just want one book 
to give me white side props. If I get white side props, I'm betting overs on, on both points and rebounds for white side. They're going to destroy this team on the offensive glass. Yeah, I agree. The, the Jazz yeah. were top five in offensive rebounding for this season. And really, it's like against Dallas, who is not exactly a transition team, and especially with Luka out to be the guy facilitating, why wouldn't you? Why would you not just crash the offensive glass, especially like you described, when all the pressure is out on the perimeter? And I agree. That's that's what the defensive numbers are showing. That's what gave me a little pause is that the Jazz are top two in the NBA in three-pointers, and the Mavs are really good at taking away three-pointers and three-pointers attempts. However, that means everything is at the rim, and that means lots of rebounds and lots of chances for Rudy to just smash the offensive glass and your right white side too. Well, dude, I'm going to be looking at a, a same game parlay, uh, Gobert over rebounds and Jazz money line. That's what I'm going to be looking at. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be the target for me. Before we go, I think this is interesting. I think we probably should talk about this. Um, there's a series correct score after three games at FanDuel. Okay. How would you guys bet this? Because I, I like to me, I kind of want to take Jazz two one here. Hmm. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, series, series spread, I'm getting Mavericks plus two and a half. I'm looking at that. Uh, correct score, Jazz after three is 2-1. I've got it locked right now. I don't have it. What's what's the price you got on it? So you have Jazz 2-1 at plus 114. You have Jazz 3-0 plus 225. You have Mavericks 3-0 at plus 1600 and Mavericks 2-1 at plus 310. Um, obviously I don't see the last two, but look, I'm coming from the angle of, I actually have a calf tear right now. So I'm look, obviously I'm 36 years old. Lucas 23. Um, I've had calf strains in my twenties that have lasted like a week, a week and a half. This one I injured in the end of February and I'm kind of just now getting back to normal. So did you have a, did you have like a $10 million training system? Of course, of course not. Of course not, but I'm 24 seven. Of course not, but I'm expecting him to miss at least the first two games, just based on the fact that, look, Kevin Durant missed a month. Yeah, I hear you. It's, I mean, it's and tough he's the, he's, he's, he's the franchise. Here's the thing, yeah. though. The Mavericks are always very locked down with, with information, and mm-hmm. teams are always coy with injuries around the playoffs. However, if a guy is just clearly not going to play, yeah, almost all, like if it's that bad, they would just be like, yeah, he's not going to be back. Like they would let it be known, like, yeah, it's going to be a while. And this exactly. this one sounds like it could be a while, but it might not be. Yeah. And so, so like, this is like one of those weak strains. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, well, I mean, if you want to play jazz, it's hard to blame you, right? Yeah. Jazz are playing the Mavericks out Luka Doncic. I, for me, I'm sticking with, I'm going to wait till game one. And the good thing about this too is on Saturday, there will be a report from Woj about, about Luka Doncic's situation. Yeah. And if it's like, yeah, it's going to be like game four. Okay. Then I'm not betting it at all. But if it's like, yeah, he might be back for game three, even I'm probably going to bet Mavericks then too. Like, I'm yeah. just going to go ahead and I'm not going to wait for game for game two for them to lose and go down. Oh, two at home. I'm going to bet Dallas. Then I'm not going to be aggressive with it, but I am. That's going to be the approach I take. Uh, Brandon, you got one more thing. Yeah. I was going to say that the weird thing too, is that the home court advantage actually almost feels like a dis- disadvantage here for Dallas. Like they'd be better off if it was flipped here, because if you're giving up these first game or two without Luca anyway, You'd rather it be on the road and then come back home with Luca. So that's a, it's a bit of a bummer. But okay, here's what I need to close with. And you, you need to just, you need to hear me out. I know you're going to kill me for this, both of you. You're going to literally reach through your screen and kill me. It's going to be the, the Bart Simpson thing. 
I told you I made the case for every team in the NBA. Allow me to make the case for the Utah Jazz and hear me out. I just want you to hear me out and then talk me onto the ledge, off the ledge. I don't know. I just I just want you to hear the case for the Jazz and tell me one more time from this case why it's a bad case. Okay, so here, here's where we're at the Jazz. For the season, this is the team in the NBA with the number one offense in the entire league in an offensive era. They're top two in three-pointers made. They are second in the NBA in two-point percentage. They're top five in free throws. They're top five in offensive rebounding. They're number two in effective field goal percentage. Basically, they live at the line. They live at making three-pointers. And by the way, they're second in pace. So they're getting more possessions to do all those things better. They're basically the Houston Rockets offense from a few years ago, but with defense, because we know that Rudy Gobert is a one-man defense. They're top 10 in defense. Hasn't been quite as good, but the same profile as they're their top five defensive rebounding. They do not foul you. They're still good at effective field goal percentage, not quite as high as they have been in the past. We know the problems that are there, but this is the profile on paper of an elite team with the best offense in the NBA, an offense that wasn't healthy in past postseasons, that wasn't healthy the second half of the year when they fell apart. But when the team was healthy at the start of the year, they were 31 and 12 uh, with the with their big three on the court, 59 win pace up through January 5th. They're 27 and 10. They ranked first in the NBA in net rating, first in offensive rating, top five on defense. All of the metrics, all the things on paper say that the Jazz are a top five team that should be a title contender. Everything that I go by on paper, all the factors, the million factors say that the Jazz should be taken seriously. And now, finally, after all the bad luck they've had over the years and times are not showing up, they luck into no look at Doncic on the last day of the season and a great first round possibility. Why can't this be a team worth betting on? Why isn't it a future worth playing? They're 1,400 to win the West. That's the case for the Jazz. We've had this conversation. I need you to tell me one more time, why not the Jazz? They're solvable and they don't trust each other. They're solvable and they do not trust each other. That's a narrative argument and I get it, but it matters. This team in a close situation is going to melt and they're going to blame one another. And the reason we know that is they've done it literally seven times in the last month. Like how many 20 point collapses are we going to see from this team? And then have them be like, gosh, I don't know. It just keeps happening. All the numbers you mentioned, Brandon, they were better last year. All of them. They were better. All of them last year. And they lost to a Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard because all that team had to do was switch we watched it on the best stream this year. They're playing the San Antonio Spurs and the Washington Wizards. And those teams are like, in the second half, let's just switch everything. And the Jazz just melt. They play the Clippers and they're up big. The Clippers switch everything. And they just melt. Like, the numbers for the switch this year are even good. The overall numbers for the Jazz are really good. But you commit to that tactic. You commit to that approach. And they cannot counter it. They do not trust Rudy to punish the switch and their perimeter defenders are not good enough. They will scheme them out. They are solvable. And beyond all of that, if they weren't in this bracket, maybe, maybe, no, I wouldn't. I would still be like, no, Brandon, no. But they're going up against the Suns in the next round. No matter what the EV is, 
we know the Suns are winning that series. Are the Utah Jazz beating the Phoenix Suns? Yeah. I do not think they are. Just, that's me personally. You you can go with what you want. If you want to go, if you want to bet the Jazz, I, I mean, can't even deny if, the like, even even in the extreme scenario that Chris Paul gets hurt and they beat the Phoenix Suns. Look, we just talked about all year they can't beat the Switch. They can't beat the Warriors. You're the highest on the Warriors here. So you're expecting them to basically go through the Suns and the Warriors, and the, and the Warriors are one of the best switching defenses in the league. They can't beat a switch at all. Like, you compare them to those Houston Rockets, but James Harden was a terror on a switch. Like, yeah. Donovan Mitchell, I love him, but he's, he's just, it's just a different caliber. So do, do you think, obviously, we know that we, we feel like there, there are solutions for the Utah Jazz defense. We don't need to do that anymore. We know. We know. Do we, are you saying also that you think the jazz offense is solvable? Oh, I actually think it's a bigger problem for them on offense than defense. Yeah. If you go back and look, that's actually what happens is they actually, they manage on defense. Fine. Rudy is really good actually on switches. Like he shut down Luca, like yeah. his numbers on switch this year. I've looked at it. The numbers are good. Uh, here's one. They had 396 switches this year with uh, again, or they switched not 396 times against Utah opponents did when Rudy Gobert was the center or was the screener, right? So they switched the big onto the guard and the guard onto the big. Do you know how many times Rudy Gobert shot the ball into those positions? Negative amounts. 15. (laughs) 396, 15 shots. They pass him up. They do not trust him to make a hook shot over anyone. They actually came out with a stat earlier this year. Donovan Mitchell is averaging two passes per game to Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And like, like, look, period. Yeah. And I hear you. Like, look, Snyder's point that that's a lot. Mike Conley is not false. Like, I think he's okay there. My bigger yeah. problem is when you have an, it, the best way for you to get back into your comfort zone, if they switch it is to be like, my big is going to dunk on you. That's what the Suns do. They don't do it enough, but they do it. They do it a decent amount to where it's like, man, this is really tough. DeAndre Aiden is constantly dunking on us. They don't give the ball to Rudy. They don't trust him. They just don't. Yeah. And on the other end, it's not Rudy's defense on the switches. It's everybody else. Royce O'Neal's cooked. Donovan Mitchell's cooked. Mike Conley's cooked. Trent Forrest is cooked. They're all cooked. Daniel House. There was literally like, like Tim McMahon has made the argument of like, they really need Daniel House. When that sentence comes out, Brandon, this team really needs Daniel House. Take that team off the board for your bets. Just take them off the board. Yeah, no, I I agree. Daniel House, I think he's going to be an important player for them if they have any sort of run in them. I, the only thing is, I, I feel like the defense is what we saw fail them in last year's playoffs, but I think it's the offense actually that let them down. Like we, yep. we see, you said all the numbers last year were better than this year and still weren't good enough. I agree with that. We saw that happen. However, right as the playoffs started is when both Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley got hurt. And Why so, do you think they're going to be healthy for this run? Conley, I love Mike Conley. I love that dude. One of the best interviews I've done in my career. Mike is a genuinely great human being. Mike is up there in age and has been through a lot. Like Mike's been through a lot of injuries. You cannot feel like he's going to stay healthy. And But, but it's not a stay healthy thing. They got hurt as it started. This year, they basically, they did the Chris Paul sort of thing. They got the injury already. They're back now and healthy. Okay. So we can't presume we can't presume injury. We have to assume this version of the team is healthy right now. They so couldn't beat I, to the Clippers me, that's without Kawhi. The, they had their guys. They were hurt, but they had their guys. I, I am unwilling to forever write off a team because of two games against the Clippers. I'm unwilling to go that far. It's not logical to me that so one match up for one. Right, I, I think, how I much are you tra- betting on the Jazz? 
I'm sorry. I, I missed the question. How much are you betting on the Jazz? How much are you and betting on the Jazz? I, I bet the plus 1,400 to win the West. I think the oh, number is right. Oh. Wow. One thing I'll say, Brandon, I is I think it. you're you're trusting your prior on the Jazz way too much. And your prior was that they were the better team than the Clippers last year. And from your view, it was kind of a, a Clippers fluky shooting performance slash meltdown from the Jazz. And what me and Matt are trying to tell you is that this is who the Jazz are. Yeah. They melt it's, down. They don't trust each other. They can't be the switch offensively. If it was, if it was just like, if it was just the the, the matchup stuff, because like, look, the Suns are, are have to play big, right? Like, maybe that's a good matchup for them. Maybe that's better for them than it was last year. I man, they just they the yeah. comments are so bad after every loss. I agree. I agree. It's so bad. Look, if you're right, you're gonna look like a genius. So maybe it's worth it. Right. Like it, it literally like you're getting 14 to one and you get to lord it over us until the end of time. It's gonna be the worst victory lap of, of all existence. I it's fine. I can't get there. Raheem can't get I, there. I, I understand. I, Raheem, to, to your point, I just conclude with this is that I, I agree that I'm going off of my prior. I just feel like what the way you worded that is you're as much and more going off of your prior, which is I knew this team was a fraud. Then I saw them be a fraud. Now I know they're a fraud. That's that's the argument that you're making. It's like, is that last you, last year? I think they were a good bet. Like last year, it was fine. Like maybe that was the year. That's the thing, though. It's like, well, I finally believe last year after all their years of fraudulence, and then they burned me. I'm out forever. Like we can't I mean, do I, that I as a better. I didn't believe last year. Like I, I, I literally. Yeah, I mean, we bet against them last year. That's the too. point, though. Is you literally are just saying I had my priors and stuck to it. Like. We both have a prior here. My prior yeah. is that the numbers say that the Jazz are good. The I mean, healthy Jazz are good. I have yeah. to trust the numbers. Look, all, all this is, but here's, I think your other problem here is like all the numbers, it's regular season. Yeah. Yes. Like they've, they, they play the, they play the easiest coverage to play in the regular season that gets exposed in the playoffs. They play the easiest offensive style to play in the play in, in the regular season that gets exposed to the playoffs. Like they are a system oriented team. And the problem yeah. is in the modern NBA playoffs, it's less about scheme and more about personnel answers. And so that's my argument, but you bet it. We'll see how it goes. Uh, the one eight is going to be Suns versus either Clippers or Pelicans. Assuming no Kawhi Leonard, Raheem, really quickly, we got to get out of here. One or two games, can the eight seed win? Can they win more than one game? No. Can they win more than? Can they win any games? This is sweet. Sweet, Brandon. I think the Clippers can push the Suns. Uh, the Clippers will not, not get swept. The Clippers with I, I do not expect Kawhi. The Clippers without Kawhi will win a game, could win two. They split the season series. And like this, the Clippers are unpredictable. They shoot a ton. They're streaky. They have the switching thing. The Clippers are dangerous. If I'm the Suns, I am rooting all out for the Pelicans to just get rid of the Clippers. And then I think it's probably a sweep. If Kawhi, I'll say this, if Kawhi pops up on, on the injury report, I'm betting him to win the NBA title. If he pops up questionable, I'm betting him to, like they can beat the, the Clippers with Kawhi can beat him. Yeah. I don't think they can beat him without it. They don't have enough yeah. offense. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take it. Let's wrap this up. You can check out our guide to the playing games right here in this feed. We'll have that for you on Friday for the last playing games. We will have a spaces, which you can find on NBA bet, NBA.com slash NBA bet on Twitter at NBA bet on Saturday morning before the games going over the game one lines. We got heat check on Friday at 1230 Eastern, I believe is when we're going. Uh, check Action Network HQ for that. We'll have game one bets for that. Check that out. Until next time, 
Thanks for joining us. Let's get buckets. <laughs>